The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. All right, take your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. This is right where we began, actually, five weeks ago. We began at 1 Peter chapter 1. All right, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1. I was sitting there just a moment ago and I was trying to think, where could I start to shorten the, the reading? But I couldn't find a place. Every time I found, oh, I'd say, okay, I can start here, but then I'd look what's above it and I'd say, no, I need to read that too. So we're just going to start at verse 1 and read to verse 16. And uh, so if you would stand with me, please. And, Respect for God and his word. We'll begin at 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, ye love, in whom... Though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Let's pray. Our Father, as we read these words, we are touched. 
we are humbled. We, we, we don't understand, as, as King David once said, for what is man that thou art mindful of him? And Lord, we, we don't deserve anything today. But you've given us your son. You've given us your love. You've given us your grace. You've poured upon us your mercy. And you've cared for us and provided for us. And we are so unworthy. But Lord, as we gather in this place today, I, I pray that you, would, that you would speak to us. And Lord, that you would instruct us from your word as to what manner of persons we ought to be. So thank you for the time we have. Thank you for the truth of your word that will be preached this morning. We ask you bless these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As I mentioned before, uh, a few weeks before, actually about a month or so before Pastor began his sabbatical, I was sitting out in the congregation when the choir sang that Sunday morning. And they sang In Pursuit of Holiness. And as I listened to them sing that song, a thought came into my mind. And and really, I thought about the pursuit of holiness. I I thought about how people, in, in the 37 years that I've been in the ministry, I've thought about how many people are, have become so perplexed at trying to attain holiness. And so it prompted me to begin a, a little study. And when I began to study, I realized what an important truth this is. How important it is for you and me to understand holiness if we are going to Succeed in our Christian walk. If we are going to succeed at being holy as God has admonished us, then we better understand what it is that he admonished us to do. So I began to study. And usually when I begin a study, I like to, I like to ask myself some questions. Uh, I, I try to gather questions about this subject. So I I can have a direction to go in my study. And as I sat down, I I thought of three questions concerning holiness. The first question is, what is holiness? And I began to look into the the subject matter of what is holiness. And what I discovered from, from the definition, the scriptural definition of holiness, is that it contained two elements. And if you remember, in the first week we talked about those, they were consecration and conformity. Consecration being that that our life now has become set apart. It has become separate for God. Upon our salvation, we are our lives is no longer our own. Amen? For ye are bought with a price. Your life now belongs to Jesus Christ. I'm sorry if you think I have a right to do what I want to do. I'm sorry, but you do not. You do not because you have been purchased. You have been bought 
with the most precious substance in the universe, the blood of Jesus Christ. You are his. You belong to him. You answer to him in all things. And then conformity. Do you understand, realize that God has placed expectations on you? Upon, upon your salvation, God expects certain things from you. Not only is your life not your own, but your decisions are not your own. Because God has expectations. And we are to conform to those expectations. But then I, have a se- I had a second question. And, and since holiness is so important... My second question was, how do we obtain holiness? Well, I did some looking, some study into that, and I realized uh, that scripturally there are two sources uh, for our holiness. I said, firstly, that life begins at Calvary. We were born, I was born October 20th, 1957. Oh, I've done it now. I'm giving you my age. Some of you are right now. I can see you. I can. I can see the gears turning. You're trying. Okay, it's 1957. You got to add this, subtract that. I'll save you some trouble. I'm 60 years old. I was born October 20th, 1957. I was physically born. I was born to Louis and Anna Mae Abshar. I was born again, November 29th. 1981. And that is when my life began. Because everything before that is not even a memory to God. My life began that day. And if my life began that day, then my holiness holiness began that day also. So holiness, how do we obtain holiness? Well, we obtain holiness... As a byproduct of our salvation, of the grace of God. It's one of the, it's one of the gifts that God gives us upon our salvation. He, he enables us to live and walk in holiness. Not holiness through my flesh, but holiness through His Son, Jesus Christ. And I said that as long as Jesus is holy, then I'm holy. Not because of me but because of him. But I also said that that holiness not only begins at Calvary, but it, number two, I said it was completed in Christ. And we looked at many scriptures concerning the, the, the payment of our sin debt and, the, and, and the, the, the sanctification of our heart through the blood of Christ. But then that prompted a third question in this. The third question was how can we continue in holiness? Okay, so we know what holiness is. And, and we know how we got it. But the problem is, we're sinful. Amen? And we, we continually fall into sin. Uh, maybe you're sitting there and you say, I don't fall into sin. Well, according to James, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar. The truth is not in you. So since we continually fall into sin, does that mean we're going to lose our holiness? 
So we got to start all over again. What do you do when you get dirty? You go and take a bath, right? But you're just going to get dirty again. So then you got to go take another bath. I tried that. I tried that reasoning with my mom when I was young. Mom, why do I have to keep taking baths? I'm just going to get dirty again. Well, we all know the reason. But you see, the holiness that we received at Calvary, the holiness that was completed in Christ, is not my holiness. It's his holiness. So the only way I can lose my holiness is if he loses his holiness. And he's not going to lose his holiness. So I'm not going to lose my holiness. But how do we continue in holiness? Well, there's two reasons we continue in holiness. First was the sanctification of the spirit. We, we, we looked into the scriptures and we saw that we are sanctified, we are justified by the work of the Holy Spirit, who is, which is God himself. So I can't lose my, holy, my holiness because it comes by the sanctification of the Spirit, but also we don't lose our holiness because God has established the separation of the saints. And we, we went into much detail about that at our last, last Sunday. And we took a look, I'm not going to re-preach Sunday's message, but we took a look at the, what it means, what is meant by the separation of the saints. And we saw that is that that we, that we do not join ourselves to the false worship, the false, the false teachings, the false religions of this world, but that we continue to walk in the truth of the, of the principles of the word of God. And this is how, how we continue in our holiness. It's not based on actions that we do. Your holiness never depends on what you do or do not do. Your holiness was established by Jesus Christ at Calvary. And it is continued through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit and by the separation, by the inviolability that God has placed upon you and I. You remember that word inviolability? We talked about that. How that we may fall, but we will never utterly be destroyed because who upholds us? Who? God the Father upholds us with his mighty hand. So we've, we answered all three questions. So I guess we're done. A, a couple of weeks ago, a fourth question popped into my mind. Number four, why must we walk in God's holiness? Why, why must we do it? Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Let's just go back a little bit. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's begin at verse 1. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. We read here. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, 
who was rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. I read in the previous messages in, on this subject from Ephesians 1.4, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Did you see that? Before the foundation of the world, he chose us that we should be holy. We are made holy by the calling of God. God expects us to live holy lives. And more than this, it is his sovereign will and divine purpose that we walk in holiness. We just read in Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Therefore, for the true child of God, it is not a matter of if we walk in holiness. According to Ephesians, we will, we shall walk. In the holiness that God has ordained of us. Now think about that for just a moment. Verse 10 says. We are God's workmanship. Unto good works. Which God has before ordained. That we should walk in them. Should walk in them. Not might. Should walk in them. So God has ordained that you and I. If we are truly his children, then God has ordained that we will walk in holiness. We will fulfill his expectations. And if we fail to submit to the Spirit of God, if we fail to walk in the holiness that God has called us and empowered us to walk, then we better search our hearts. In John chapter 10, verse 27 and 28, we read, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Did you see? He said, My sheep, it's talking about his children, hear his voice, and he said, They follow me. This morning, 
Are you one of God's sheep? And as God's sheep, do you hear his voice? And are you following him? Are you following the shepherd? Or are you following other sounds you hear? Are you following the shepherd? Or are you following the world? Oh yes, the child of God will fall away at times. A child of God will sin. People ask me all the time, can a Christian sin? Oh yes, he can. Christians sin all the time. You and I will fall into sin. But the question is, do we remain there? Do we stay there? Oh, you're going to wake up. You're going to wake up and you're going to find yourself involved in things in your life you shouldn't be involved in. The question is, when you wake up and realize that, do you get away? Do you, do you ask God to, to help you and strengthen you? And do you, do, you, uh, do you confess that? And do you forsake it? And do you come back to God? That's the question. You're going to sin. You're going to fall. No doubt about it. But will you remain there? Well, let me just tell you, a true child of God cannot remain there. He cannot. Psalm 37, verses 23 and 24. We read this before. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in him, in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Listen, God is not going to let you stay there. He is going to do whatever he has to do to move you back to where you ought to be. And that's what any good father would do. Amen. The last two Sunday mornings, we discussed the tools that God gave us to continue in our holiness. The sanctification of the spirit and the separation of the saints. These are a couple of the gifts of grace. They enable and empower us to walk in righteousness and holiness. The righteousness and holiness of Christ. They have been imparted to us. They make us inviolable. But to what ends? For what purpose? And this is the basis of my message this morning. Why has God given us these graces? Have you ever thought about that? Why did God give us all the, all, all the elements of grace that he did? What are we to do with them? You know, right, not long after I, God saved me, I, I realized, listen, God didn't save me just so I can go to, I can keep living like I want to on this earth and just take me to heaven at the end. God didn't save me so, so that would happen. He had a purpose. He has a reason for, 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 for leaving me upon this earth. You know, if God had no purpose for us, when we come to saving knowledge, he would just take us up. Why would he leave us here if he didn't have a reason for that? If there wasn't a purpose. So what are we to do with all these graces that God has given us? We call them the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance. What, what do we do with these things? Well, Peter tells us in 
his second book, chapter 3 and verse 11. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Listen, our lives must be separated unto God. We must be a peculiar people, as we talked about last Sunday. Being continually in the exercise of grace, watching, praying, hearing, reading, living soberly, righteously, and godly, guarding against intemperance and worldly-mindedness and every worldly and hurtful lust. Yet all of this is unto a purpose. It is the very reason for our existence. So, for the time remaining this morning, allow me to share two thoughts with you. And I'm going to be brief, so write quickly. We must walk in holiness, number one, for the work of the ministry. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now, certainly I understand that this passage is written to Timothy, the preacher. And I understand that Paul is instructing Timothy, the preacher. But I also understand that every admonition given in the word of God is given to all of his children. Is the inspiration of scripture only for the preacher? Is it for you as well? Yes. It applies to you and to me, to all the laymen in the church. It applies to all of God's children. Now, I know a religion that tells its people, you can't interpret scripture. Only the church can. Huh? You know, you know a religion like that? Any of you? I do. I grew up in it. It's called the Roman Catholic Church. When I, I remember once when I was a boy, I opened a Bible one time. My grandpa fussed at me. He told me, don't you read that book. It'll drive you crazy. I'm serious. You can't read that book. Only a priest can read that book. Close that book, boy. And that's, that's exactly what they taught their people. They teach that only Rome and the church can interpret scripture. And that belief led to the ignorance of men and women throughout history. And its impact is still felt today in this world. Men and women are ignorant of God's word. And this has led to vain imaginations. It's led them to establishing their own doctrine and practice. Paul in Romans chapter 10 and verse 3 says... For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Their own righteousness, their own holiness. And we see this permeating even those who claim to be our Baptist brethren today. Establishing their own righteousness, their own holiness. Denying that God is sovereign in all things. You parents in this room, 
You listen to me for a moment. The greatest thing you could ever do is to instruct your children from the Bible. To read the word of God to them. To share its principles. The greatest thing you could ever do is to lead by your example in how a Christian should live and how a Christian should walk. Remember, the scripture tells us to train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, that doesn't mean he's not going to have years of wandering, but sooner or later, what you've laid into his heart, what you've put in his heart, the Holy Spirit will bring up forth. This is why so many churches do little for the cause of Christ anymore. They have begun down a slippery slope that ends in the pits of corrupt doctrine. We must walk in holiness. Why? Because if we don't, then the work of the ministry will fail. Because the work of the ministry must be done in the power of Christ. And only the only holiness we have is in Christ Jesus. So we must walk in holiness for the sake of the ministry. And until we understand from whom our righteousness and holiness flows, until we understand that God has already given us all the holiness we will ever need to have, we will not submit to the Holy Spirit. And we will continue to walk and work in the power of our own flesh. And not in the power of Christ. So first, why must we walk in, holy, in God's holiness? Because first, for the work of the ministry. But then secondly this morning, for the glory of God the Father. We must walk in God's holiness for the glory of God the Father. Matthew chapter 5. Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. When I was growing, my father was never a wealthy man. He was a carpenter. And he made a carpenter's wage. And he was fortunate enough in the 60s, not in his 60s, but in the 1960s, to start his own business. And though the business was, was very good, it never grew bigger than my dad and two of his friends. He never added on more employees. He, never, he didn't want to build a huge business. He just wanted to be able to make his living. So very small business. No, no real wealth. So dad used to tell my brother and I this. He'd say, boys, I can't leave. When I, when I leave this earth, you're not going to have an inheritance. Don't, don't, don't count on on an inheritance for me because I'm not going to have anything to give you. But he said, I will give you this. I will give you a good name. I will give you a good reputation. He, he protected his name, uh, which was given to him by his father, who protected the family name, 
that was given to him by his father and so forth. And dad always said, you have a good name. You, you, you come from respectable people, a good family. But it's up to you what you do with it from here. And that always stuck with me. So as I was growing, as I'd go through school, you know, when I'd go to school and they'd say, Abshire, are you Lewis Abshire's boy? Yes. Oh, we expect great things from you then. And it was always like that. My sister was valedictorian of her graduating class. And when I went to high school and they'd say, Abshire, Abshire, Ginger Abshire, your sister? I'd say, yes, but please do not expect the same. But what am I saying? We're to walk in holiness for the glory of God the Father. You represent your Father. You represent His name. When you go to work. When you're at the grocery store. When you're at the doctor's office. When you're at Costco. Oh, some people lose their testimony in Costco, I tell you. You represent your father. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. Let your light shine. But let it be a true light. Let it be a clear light. Let it be an honorable light. Your salt. Salt purifies. Salt preserves. Salt strengthens. But Jesus said, if, if you lose your savor, what good are you? You're, you're of no more value. Do you realize that in biblical times, salt was actually money? It was. Salt was money. You, you, you could purchase things and buy things with salt. That's how valuable it, it was. To this day, I make decisions that honor my dad. Because I don't want to dishonor my daddy. I don't, want to, I don't want to bring shame to the name of Lewis Abshar. And my brother's the same way. We talked about this many times. But 10,000 times more should we be concerned with our testimony. Because of what it does to our father's name. And herein lies the problem. Men try to establish their own holiness. If that were possible, and it is not, but if it were possible, then who would receive the glory for that holiness? Not the Father, you. But when wretched men and women like you and I walk in the righteousness and holiness of Christ, God is glorified. This goes back to what I said last week about my friend, Mike Alpha. When Mike got saved, he, he began to live a life. He began to let his light shine. He began to allow the holiness of Christ to shine through him. It wasn't his holiness, but it was the holiness of Christ. It's what Lino talked about with his friend Mike. And, and, and what others have talked about with people that influenced them. It's that light shining. It's not their light, but it's the light of Christ shining through them. Paul understood this. In Galatians 6.14, he said, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Paul said, I, I don't deserve any glory. I'm not going to claim any glory. The only glory I'm going to claim is the glory of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's the only glory that I want attached to me is the glory of Christ. You see, Paul knew that he was nothing apart from, from the grace of God. He knew that there was nothing of any value in himself. In Romans 7, 18, he writes, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. Paul said, in my flesh, in myself, I don't have the ability to do good. I don't have the ability to do right. 1 Corinthians 15.10, Paul says, But by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Did you see what he said there? He said, It's not me, it's the grace of God. And it was bestowed upon me. But it wasn't done in vain. God gave me grace. God imparted to you grace because God knew that the grace would be effective and that it would influence your life and that you will walk in holiness. It's the duty of every believer to glorify the Father. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, Solomon the wisest man ever, apart from Jesus Christ, wrote this. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. What's life all about? Fear God and keep his commandments. Why are we here? Fear God and keep his commandments. What do I have to do? Fear God and keep his commandments. That's it. Solomon said, vanity of vanity, all is vanity. Money, wealth, fame, it's all worthless. What does it do? What is the conclusion of the matter? Solomon said, what is it all about? Let's boil it all down. And what is the short of it all? Fear God and keep his commandments. We glorify God when we walk in the righteousness given us by him. We glorify the Father when we live in the nature of Christ which was imparted to us by the grace of God. We glorify the Father when we live in his holiness. I truly hope and pray that in these five lessons on holiness, that the Father has revealed to us the truth of our righteousness, the truth of our holiness. It's not from us. It's not from within. It's from him. Imparted by his grace, ordained by his sovereign will, and empowered by his Holy Spirit. And until we understand that, and until we give ourselves, as we read in Romans chapter 12, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Until we reach that point, we will not fulfill God's command. What command is that? 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. And what that means in all manner of conversation is be holy in every aspect of your life. 
everything. Every bit of it. Be holy. And in verse 16, because it is written, be ye holy, <coughs> for I am holy. <coughs> Folks, that's it. As Solomon said, that's the conclusion of the matter. I'm holy today. <clears throat> I am. You're looking at you're looking at a holy man. You wanna you wanna take a picture? I'm a holy man. But not because of who I am. Not because of me. There's no good in me. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. But I'm holy because God has made me that way. Now, I need to use the tools he's given me, the empowerment he's given me, and I need to make the decisions I can now make because of him to choose to walk in the holiness that he's given me. Let's pray. Father, we don't deserve we don't deserve what you've given us. None of us do. The only one that deserves deserves this is, is Christ himself. But you love us. And you've ordained and called us to walk in holiness because you've made us holy. Because it's, it was, it's what has to be done if the ministry will be, if the gospel will be preached. And it's what has to be done if you will be glorified. Lord, we want to glorify your name. We want to honor you in everything in our lives. We don't want to be ashamed. We don't want to shame you. We don't want to disgrace you. And you've already given us the ability to, to walk as you've called us to walk. So I pray, Lord, that you would help us to understand that and that we would yield ourselves to your direction, your spirit, and that we would walk in the holiness that you've empowered us to, to live. Thank you for all that are here. And then give us the grace, Lord. Give us the grace to accept your will and to live in, in the strength you've given us. Bless all who are here today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.